Kia ora, um, I'm Nick, and uh, if you've been listening along with our Philippians series, uh, this message is actually a redo of a message from this recent Sunday, as the recording um, didn't make it through. We've been looking for the last few weeks at the letter of Philippians, and as I've shared uh, many times through the series, this is a wonderful letter of encouragement. Paul uses the words uh, rejoice and joy 16 times throughout this letter. And it is a a wonderful letter that you can um, read in maybe 10 to 15 minutes, depending on your reading speed. Or you can listen to it in maybe 20 minutes if you're listening on on, on some sort of audio Bible. It is a wonderful letter of encouragement. I encourage you to listen to it and to to take in these wonderful words of, of Paul that are written from a setting in a prison cell. And as I've shared before, he's writing to a church that he planted uh, about 11 years earlier in a place called Philippi, which was a city in Macedonia, which is modern day Greece today. And he is writing this letter addressing a number of things. But the main kind of thing that comes out throughout this letter is one of joy. And today, as we as we conclude this awesome series on this letter, we look at in chapter four that Paul um, talks about this wonderful theme of contentment and then he sort of gives thanks for for these incredible gifts that are and and provision that has come from this church through a person called Epaphroditus who's come and visited him um, where he's probably in Rome in a prison cell there writing the letter back and so it's a a response of gratefulness from Paul um, but it's also this exhortation around what it means to be truly content in life. So if you're reading along with your Bible, turn to uh, chapter 4, verses 10 to 13, and this is what Paul says to that church. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So Paul uh, is basically sort of saying thank you so much for this wonderful Uh, provision. Thank you for thinking about me and my circumstances. Um, But even though this is a wonderful gift and I am so happy to see that as a church you are thinking about others and and thinking about me that I'm I'm actually okay. As it says in that bit like I rejoice greatly in the Lord. It's basically saying I'm celebrating in Jesus. I'm having a party in Jesus. So don't worry about me. I'm actually okay guys. But I am so stoked to see that the the fruit that's coming out of your community is that you are looking for others. Look look at this kingdom provision that's coming to me, that's going out to other people. That's what I'm stoked about. And so it's like, wow, thank you. But guys, I'm actually okay. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I'm actually okay because I am celebrating. I am at a party with the Lord. And he goes on further to say, Look, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, talking about Jesus, who gives me strength. And this is this is the crazy thing about what Paul says here in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. And Paul had a lot of things to not be content about. 
as we know, he's in that prison cell. He might have been there for a long period of time. He it was he would potentially was starving to death when this when this provision comes from Epaphroditus, um, because back then it wasn't like our sort of prison system today. Everything that you needed to support you had to come from your friends and family had to support you while you were in in, in prison. So, you know, he could have potentially been in a situation where he was starving to death in a, in a very dire situation. But even in that terrible situation, he's saying, I have learnt to be content. And it's like, wow, how did you learn how to be content, Paul? And I, I, that's the general theme of today's message is about contentment. And contentment is, is something that, that's, that's really elusive. Uh, I've I found in my life that, that you know, especially as I've got older, like that, that, that feeling of content, that feeling of being satisfied, is, is a hard thing to, to, to attain or to feel like you've arrived at. Because it always feels like you're, you're waiting for the next thing or you're wanting to achieve this other thing. And, and I feel like for many of us, it's like we have this sense of like, when this happens, I'll be content. When my circumstances are like this, then I will be satisfied. And a lot of people live their lives like this, like, oh, you know, oh, when, when I finish school, you know, then I'll be content. When I finish university and I get my degree, then I'll be content. You know, oh, when I meet that perfect person and we get married, oh, then I'll be content. Oh, oh no, when we have kids, then I'll be content. Oh, no, no, oh, when the kids leave home, then I'll be content. Oh, oh no, when, when, when I have grandkids, I'll be content. Or oh, when I get that job, I'll be content. When I get that promotion, I'll be content. When I'm the boss, then I'll be really satisfied. And it's this elusive thing like a mirage that we go after, keep grasping after, and we don't seem to be able to, to be content often in, our, in this lifetime. And when I reflected on that in my own you know, lifetime, the, the moments where I've been probably most content is when I was a child. Children have this incredible ability to be present in the moment and to just enjoy the simple pleasures of life. Haven't you seen like when you give a child, a, a little child, a cardboard box? Well, you don't give it to them, they just find it. And then they just play in that box all day long like it's the most amazing toy or experience they've ever had and they are just truly content truly present in the moment enjoying what they're doing and i i i, I remember this from my own childhood we would go to back in the day the mcdonald's used to have those awesome playgrounds you remember those ones where they would have like half the mcdonald's was a playground and had this sort of the Hamburglar and this, uh, there was this thing you could climb up into and big slides and it was this amazing big playground and like mum and dad would take me down you know maybe go with some friends or family and you just get like a maybe a 50 cent ice cream might have been less than with inflation and and you just play and play and go so hard I remember they had these these sort of um, merry-go-round things that was like I had a hamburger on it and um, sometimes you'd find one where the thing had got quite loose. And so what you could do with a few of your kids, you, you could actually get this thing to fly. Like you'd just get on, you get a rung each and you'd just keep going and going and going. And you'd go so hard that you'd sort of basically be flying, like hanging onto this thing. And then you'd, then you'd ine inevitably fall off 
roll over and like like graze your knees on the on the artificial turf and you'd just be like just covered in sweat but you'd just be having the time of your life and for all for like a 50 cent ice cream which I didn't even pay for mum and dad paid for but I was like in those moments I was truly truly content just loving life but yeah sadly as I said before uh, it's not always been this the way as I've got an adult and, and I've and, you know just like you I probably struggle with moments where I, I feel more discontent and I think that's com that's the more common feeling that we have is this feeling of discontent that that life hasn't hasn't worked out how we wanted it to that we're upset with our circumstances that that, that we, we compare ourselves to others and we think, man, that looks like everything's going well in their life. Man, if only I had their circumstances, if only I had their situation, you know, then I'd be satisfied, then I'd be content. And it's, it, it is a, a terrible thing in life that, that, that gnaws away at us. But the, the thing that's really encouraging in this verse, in verse 11, is that, that Paul shares, shares this wonderful line. He says, for I have learned to be content. And the great thing about that is that Paul is actually saying that in his life, he didn't always order. He's basically, you can infer that he didn't automatically, he wasn't automatically content with his life. That there must have been times in his life, maybe before he met Jesus or even during his ministry, where he must have felt discontent. But through the process of being with Jesus and learning from him, he was spiritually transformed by the renewing of his mind so that he was actually content, that he was actually satisfied in every circumstance, whether it was awesome and he had an amazing experiences, you know, like he had spiritual experiences like when on the road to Damascus or the vision of Jesus he had a, an experience he talks about where he was caught up into a third heaven he saw incredible miraculous provision and healings um, angels turned up and then he also had circumstances which were horrible like we're talking about here like he's writing from many a time he goes to prison a number of times and he is um, often beaten and um, abused and um, he had other people turn on him. Um, he had difficult circumstances and he had amazing things going on in his life. He had both of these things going on in his life. And he says, look, I've learned to be content. That you And, and, and the lesson there is for us is that you can actually learn how to be content. That you can actually practice this thing and put this into practice and actually learn how to be content in this lifetime. And it's interesting with that is that because I, I've noticed that, you know, like it, even in the world, there is a, a sense that, you know, we live in like a culture that is some of the most, you know, some of the wealthiest, um, most, uh, we have longest lifespan, we have the best health and education and all these opportunities and stuff. Yet we're, we're actually some of the most miserable um, humans in history as far as depression and other um, indicators of well-being and it seems like secular out in the world people are picking up on this that that more stuff and more things and more finance and that doesn't actually lead to to more satisfaction or more contentment I was recently reading this book by Sebastian Younger called Tribe and he and he wrote this quote and he said this human beings need three basic things in order to be content they need to feel competent at what they do, they need to feel authentic in their lives, and they need to feel connected to others. 
These values are considered intrinsic to human happiness and far outweigh intrinsic values such as beauty, money, and status. Isn't that interesting? Like right there, you're saying like, you know, actually the most important things to our happiness are to actually feel like we, we know what we're doing with our job. Like, or you feel like, yeah, I, I'm good at what I do in my job. I feel responsible. I feel like I'm good at this thing. That we feel authentic in our lives. Like that, that we're actually being who we're meant to be, uh, not being false. And that we feel connected to others, that we actually need family and we need community. Like these are the things that are most important to our satisfaction and happiness and contentment, not beauty, money and status, which seem to make us even more discontent. And also, I've, I've, I've also, as many of you might be fans as well, I've, I've been following along with this podcast and uh, I've read their blog and I've even watched a couple of their, they've got a couple of docos on, on Netflix, um, this, these two guys called The Minimalists. And uh, it's just really fascinating watching this thing because here's two guys, um, they're not Christians, uh, they're just two, two guys living their lives and they had this epiphany. Both were in um, sort of top jobs, um, you know, earning good money, um, but were up to debt, up to the eyeballs. And uh, they had all the stuff that they owned and they just realized they were just miserable. And so what they did, the answer, the epiphany they had was that actually more stuff's not going to make us happy. You know, I need to change the script on my life and I need to actually, I need to get rid of all this stuff and actually live with, with less and actually live with more intentionality. And so that's what they did. They, they cleared out all their stuff. They quit their jobs. They, they did, you know, completely changed their lifestyle to live with less. I think they live with like something like less than 100 items or something like that. Um, it, it sounds amazing. Like it sounds like what I'd, I'd love because you, I could just have a, just a mattress in the corner and, and one set of clothes I wash every day and there'd be like hardly any mess to clean up. And especially with the kids, no toys and other pieces of paper and all sorts of accumulators around my home. Uh, it sounds like a dream, and what is yeah? What is fascinating about that is is that that whole sense that 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 the world is actually cottoning on that man that that stuff going after more stuff and comparing ourselves to others and going on that rat race that stuff does not bring contentment that does not bring satisfaction in life it actually gives you the opposite it makes you more depressed it makes you more um, tired and anxious and worried and and and, and it affects your self-esteem in a terrible way. Was this this is actually like saying, hey, like live with less. But the the thing that's missing from from these guys and and from a lot of people that live this kind of lifestyle of minimalism is that they're just doing it on their own. And it's it's admirable. It's a um, I, I think it's a great principle for living life. But it's actually missing um, missing something. And the thing that it's missing is a person. And that person is Jesus. And this is this is what you know, this is what Paul has, has is saying in this passage that, that you know that that it doesn't actually matter what my circumstances are. Like, you know, circumstances are actually transitory. They can change from moment to moment. That's why we have the expression rags to riches, you know, like people can have a lot of money or they could have uh, not a lot, or they could have a lot of possessions or nothing. They could be riding high in life, you know, high, doing well, you know, and then they could be, you know, in terrible circumstances. But, you know, that is transitory and that can change throughout our lifetime. What he's saying is like, man, that's not where contentment is. 
My contentment is in Jesus. This is what John Stott said. He said, contentment is the secret of inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Life, in fact, is a pilgrimage from one moment of nakedness to another. So we should travel lightly and live simply. Our enemy is not possessions, but excess. And get this key verse here. Our battle cry is not nothing, but enough. We've got enough. Simplicity says if we have food and clothing, we will be contented with that. And Jesus is our enough. And that's what that's what Paul is, is really saying. Like, you know, I've had good times. I've had bad times. But even in, in this present moment where I'm enjoying these gifts from you, uh, from the church in Philippi, and even though I was starving yesterday, I've got, I've, I had enough yesterday and I have enough today and I have enough tomorrow. For how many days I've got left, I've got enough because I've got Jesus. Like, he is enough for me. I don't need to chase after the things of the world and I don't need to get upset about my circumstances because Jesus is enough for me. And, and the reason Paul could say that is because he had such a close relationship with Jesus. He had experienced and tasted, he tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He had experienced the goodness of God in his life. And so he was able to say from that, those experiences and that relationship that he had with Jesus that, that God is good and God is enough for me. And it doesn't matter what happens in this lifetime. I've got God now and I've got God for eternity. And that is awesome. That is enough for me. And that is enough for us. But it is a it is a it is a balancing act. And and it's interesting in Proverbs 30, verse 7 to 9, the writer says this two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. But give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And what the writer of that proverb is saying there is, Lord, just give me what I need today. Like in the Lord's Prayer, give, give me my daily bread, Lord. Provide for my needs. Um, Lord, don't give me too much because if, if I have too much in my life, I'm just going to forget about you, God. I'm not going to do life with you. But he's also saying, but give me enough, Lord, so that I don't um, I don't get you know poor and then I, I disown you. And then, then you know, and this is this this is a situation people have when they when things go really wrong in their life, then they're like, Man, where are you, God? Where are you when I've lost my job? Where are you with the the health of my family and the sickness I'm going through? Where are you in this in my, in my situation, my circumstances? And it's this balancing act between the two that, that if we if we're too much into our circumstances, whether good or, or bad, we will we we can we can in a sense ignore or reject God through that process. And so we have to keep um, the Father at the forefront of our heart and our mind, no, no matter what's going on. That He is enough for us. And this is a this is a great verse that finishes this whole passage is verse 13 he says i can do all things through him who gives me strength and a lot of people use that like for bumper stickers and you know sporting events and stuff and yeah you, know, you know obviously you can sort of use a little bit for that kind of purpose but really the context of of that verse is actually all this other part that we're talking about 
Like Paul's saying, I'm not really good at doing all this and being content because um, I'm, I'm this super strong-willed person and I'm ultra-disciplined and I'm just like focused on all these things. He's actually saying, I, I can actually do all this because Jesus gives me strength every day. Like, I, I don't always get, you know, he's almost kind of, I imagine he's probably almost saying like, and we could say, we don't always get this right, but but we can do it every day and we can be content every day because Jesus gives us the strength to do that. And the only way that you can have that is by having a relationship with Jesus, going on the journey with him. Because if, if you if you don't have that time with the Lord, you're not going to you're not going to have that sense of his presence and his strength and his love, which helps you in whatever circumstance you you're in. So how do we how do we how do we put this into practice? Well, here are here are some suggestions as I as I finish. One, practice gratitude. This is such a such a awesome practice, and I uh, you know I, I I struggle with this sometimes in my life. I, I often focus on the negative things in my life and actually being a bit pessimistic at times, and I actually miss all the blessings and all the goodness of God that's in my life. And so just a simple practice of actually recording, maybe you want to you want to say it out loud in your, in your quiet time, or you might want to just write it down in your journal. Just actually say, like just recording the blessings that God has in your life. Lord, thank you for um, my wife. Thank you for my, my family. Thank you for our health, Lord. Thank you for um, this house, this roof I have over my head. Thank you that I've got food in my cupboard, Lord. Uh, thank you that I've got running water. Lord, thank you uh, that I've got vehicles that I can drive. Um, Lord, thank you for my job. Lord, thank you for that holiday I had. You know, thank you for that great coffee I had this morning, maybe. Like, there's just all these little things and big things that we can actually be grateful in our life. And if it, you actually practice this, if you actually do this, it actually makes you a more um, grateful person. You actually start being, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. And then you just, it just recalls to your mind the goodness of God. So it's something that I'd encourage you to, to daily, actually, in, in any way that you can, just, just start practicing that, recalling it to your mind, the goodness of God. Second thing is take captive your thoughts. And um, one term they talk about in psychology with um, dealing with worry and anxiety is is to you know to name it to tame it is is to name whatever's giving you worry and anxiety and whatever's making you discontent about your life and your circumstances name that name that particular circumstance and and give that to god like tame it by giving it to god this is this is what paul is talking about when he writes in the in, in romans about being transformed by the renewing of my, your mind it's not meant to be a one-off event. It's actually meant to be a daily thing that we'd be renewing our mind daily, re taking our thoughts captive daily by like kind of identifying them, and then and then kind of saying, Lord, I, I put these into your your hands. You know, like I like to visualize with these sort of things, just naming the thing, seeing it in my mind, and then and then just putting it into into the Lord's hands, and even saying, Lord, I just give this into your hands. I give this to you, and you'll find that that will you won't get this right straight away and you'll still struggle with this this is what the practicing put into practices that you're going to keep doing that. And, and over time you will actually get better at at not fixating on on the things that you are discontent about but you will actually find that you'll become more content in your life
and with your relationship with the Lord. Um, three, um, if you find that you're over-consuming to try and fill some void in your life because you're discontent, maybe maybe take a season of, of actually just pulling back on that. So that might mean um, not spending so much on on, on things it might mean just just um, living within your means and the things that you have and being satisfied with what you've got in your hands at the moment um, and and just sort of like putting the old uh, visa card or EFOS card aside and thinking okay I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a time out here but like how we fast from food to sort of say to our stomachs like you're not in charge like God's in charge like same thing here like Lord I'm just gonna take a step back here because I can see that I'm trying to medicate my discontent with, with purchasing lots of things or, or buying items that, that I think are going to make me happy. And fourth, let go of comparison. Uh, instead of comparison, that it is the, the thief of joy. You know, when we look at others, and we always do this, we always tend to compare up. We, we don't tend to compare the, the people who are you know behind us in, in life or in circumstances we tend to compare up so we look at people and go oh man look at look at their house look at their car look at you know their job look at their circumstances oh if only i had that then i'd be happy i want i want to be like them i want to be better than them and it's a thief of your joy comparison is a thief of your joy so you know again it might be just a, a, a case of just identifying if you're doing that and then just being like lord Bless them. That's their life, Lord. But thank you for what you put in my hands and help me, you know, bless what, what's in my hands today, Lord. And thank you for what you have given me. Another thing, regularly invest in the life of other people. One of the best ways to, to actually feel contentment and to have satisfaction in life is actually to, to give. It's not to not to take all the time. And Jesus said this himself, it's better to give than to receive. And, and science has proven that, that, that the more you give of yourself, with your time or your money or your resources, the more you open your home and be hospitable, that you actually get, you actually receive this side benefit, um, this perk of that it actually helps your well-being. That actually helps you to be more satisfied with your life and content. Um, when we're when we're selfish and we're self-centered, um, it actually has a reverse effect, and it actually makes us work, you know more um, depressed and more discontent with things. But as we actually bless others and we see them being blessed through our actions and, and opening our heart to people, spending time with people, we actually it actually has this awesome side benefit that it actually makes us feel more content and satisfied with our lives. So I encourage you to do that. Be more open with your life and, and look for opportunities to bless uh, someone in your, maybe your workplace or your home or your family this this week in some way. And find opportunities to serve too, at church or, or community groups or your neighbours or work colleagues. You know, look for ways that you can serve and bless others. Lastly, be with Jesus every day. Because he actually gives us the strength to actually do these things. Like I said before, you know, Paul wasn't just doing this all on his own. He was doing it with Jesus. He was in that prison cell writing this letter with the presence of Jesus, the living spirit of Holy Spirit living inside of him that gave him strength to do this. And so 
you know, I encourage you to continue to carve out time in your day, even just even a few minutes in the morning or in the middle of the day at lunch or even at the end of the night. Just find time in your day to be in the presence of Jesus and to enjoy his presence. Well, that concludes our, 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 the letter of Philippians, and it's been a wonderful series which I have enjoyed um, preparing and delivering, and I hope that you have been encouraged through hearing it. Um, I'm going to just finish by praying a blessing over you um, this today. Your Father God, I, I thank you um, that your word has life for us today. I thank you, Lord, that as, as you inspired Paul in that prison cell to write to that church in Philippi, that those very words, Lord, that encouraged that church has encouraged Christians across the ages and encourages us right now. And Father, I, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that, um, that chase after you, run after you, Lord, that you are the prize, um, that, Lord, we would be people that uh, embody your presence and that we would be people that are truly content because we have you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray for just everyone listening to this, Lord, that, God, you would just bless them today and fill them with your spirit, fill them, fill them with your spirit in your precious, precious name. Amen.